The Milwaukee Bucks won't be bringing home the inaugural NBA Cup after losing to the Indiana Pacers 128 to 119. We're going to break down all the action from tonight's loss. In particular, what happened in the clutch to help push the Pacers to victory? How much of an impact did bench play have in this Bucks L? Plus, after a first look at the end-season tournament environment in Vegas, what worked and what could be better for future tournament games? All of that and more coming up on today's episode of Locked on Bucks. You are Locked on Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked on Bucks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Camille Davis, and you can catch me weekly on the Technical File Podcast, as well as Cheesehead TV's Carry the G and MKE. Joining me this evening for some post-game coverage is Justin Garcia of the Bucks Radio Network. We truly do appreciate you tuning in, and thank you for making Locked on Bucks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, as well as on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Now, Justin, as I mentioned, the Bucks ain't making history this year. Uh, missed out on the chance to get to the finals of the inaugural end season tournament, losing to the Pacers 128 to 119. Entering into the fourth quarter, the Bucks were up by three. And this was a game that went back and forth as it went through the night. But instead of the Bucks coming up big in the clutch today, like we have gotten so accustomed to seeing them do, it was the Pacers coming up big in the clutch to advance their ticket to the finals of the in-season tournament. Yeah, this was a weird one um, because like, so let's just start with what we saw everywhere. Giannis is unstoppable against the Pacers that Absolutely. he is uh, what scored 91 points in two games. And I think it was like 73% from the field and he's above, it's like 87% at the free throw line. I know it's just two games, but that's been the the larger overarching story about this team this season is, Hey, Giannis after those first, what, five or six games, He's been really efficient in the story that Dame Lillard has there. The problem was there was really nobody else with him, you know? And I, I saw a few people mentioning, I don't know if the Bucks are built to um, sustain a, a really bad game from Damian Lillard, just especially now with some of the injuries they have. And I think that's fair, but you had a big outburst in the third quarter and, and Rick Carlisle knew, boy, this could be around the corner that we saw a timeout, what, a minute into the third quarter and Dame went off. Brooke Lopez, I thought, was very good, too, on both ends of the floor. He got taxed a lot defensively, uh, but he was in the right spots. He was doing everything that he could. It was more of the perimeter just not being able to keep up with everything the Pacers do. But that was really the issue is, and we'll get to, there was no help for Giannis especially, but once you got past that 16-point third quarter from Dame, there was really nothing. And you know we've seen Malik Beasley have some big games recently. That wasn't the case tonight. Only, I think, one three-point attempt at halftime. But I, I think what everybody will get to is that bench, and it, it just was not good enough tonight. And I think there's a number of things to point to for that. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. But it it mostly comes back to Bobby Portis just has not been good enough for these last, what, roughly eight to ten games. And when you're as thin as the Bucks are in that second unit right now with no Jay Crowder and no Pat Connaughton, it especially stands out if Bobby Portis doesn't have a big game. 
It absolutely does. And I definitely want to dig deeper into the bench play, probably coming up in our, our second part of the show, because you mentioned Giannis in this game. And I think that is a great place to start because you already mentioned how dominant he's been against the Pacers so far this season. 37 tonight on 13 and 19 shooting from the field. He was 11 of 13 from the free throw line. And when you have a Giannis performance like that from the free throw line, you're generally pretty excited about that. But like you mentioned, it just wasn't too much help with him going along. The Bucks started off cold from the field, missing their first four shots or so. Chris Middleton had it going early. Giannis had it going early. Dame started the game off 0 for 7. He had the big third quarter. Uh, but outside of that, there just wasn't too much else going right for the Bucks. And we talked about it heading into this game. This was going to be an offensive heavy game. We knew that coming into it based on the profile of these two different teams. The Pacers have been playing with an offensive rating that is historic for the NBA. Like if they continue this rate, as we've mentioned before, it would be the best offensive showing in the NBA's history. So all of that being said, I look at this game and I'm looking at who helped show up with Giannis and the answer was not too many people. And I brought up clutch time in particular because it's been a topic of interest for Bucks media, for Bucks fans, given the fact of how dominant the Bucks have been during that time period. And once that clock hit five minutes in the fourth quarter after the back and forth action, and let me also say, when I say back and forth action, the first quarter was close. The second quarter, the Pacers ran out, plus 14 in the second quarter for the Pacers. Third quarter, the Bucks run out big, plus 15 for the Bucks, which sets up a close fourth quarter for both of these teams to play in. And when things started getting, you know, into the clutch time, when the clock hit five minutes in the fourth, it was 111-108 Pacers. And from that point on, like, it just, it was back and forth a little bit, but once it got to under two minutes left in the game, then the Pacers really took off. And I just want to Take a look at every play that happened really quick from 154 left in the game because it was really interesting at that point. You had a Halliburton layup, which was a crazy difficult layup. Brooke misses the three. Halliburton misses the three on the ISO. They get an offensive rebound that goes right back out to Tyrese Halliburton. Hits a step back three for an eight-point lead with 48 seconds left. We get some some game time action yeah. from, from Halliburton on the court there. I got to say, too, Tyrese Halliburton, I've been talking about how his game has expanded, how good he has been, but seeing him in this game and talking that talk a little bit, I was like, okay, Tyrese. He had the Dame time celebration earlier. He hit a Dame hit a long three. He came back and hit one himself and said, I do this too. Like, this is not unusual. I do this too. Okay, getting off topic. Mills well, and I, I, I was just gonna say I was accused earlier tonight of uh of sleeping or being very, very down on uh, Tyrese Halliburton, which I still dispute. I, I don't think anybody, even the staunchest Tyrese Halliburton supporters that said, man, this guy's got to get an opportunity in Sacramento and the big believers coming into the draft. Did we really think he was going to be at this level where he is now arguably, he's maybe the best point guard in the league. And statistically, he's uh, what everybody's pointed out. Like he is a much more efficient supercharged Steve Nash is what yeah. we're seeing. I didn't see this coming from Tyrese Halliburton. I didn't either, but now we're here. I was having a conversation last week, like Tyrese is clearly a top five point guard in the league right now, but where do you actually rank him? And in tonight's game, looking at it, like, honestly, he outplayed Damian Lillard tonight. Like Tyrese Halliburton was the best point guard on the court for this game against the Bucks. Yeah. 
and it it wasn't even close that he dominated this game. Dame Lillard dominated for stretches. And I think the other interesting part um, is we haven't seen it a ton, but tonight it really stood out too that, you know, Damian Lillard goes off in the third quarter. And as we mentioned, Rick Carlisle, you could sense was like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. When he called that timeout a minute in when Dame got a very good look and hit that three, only four points at the half. And suddenly you look up and you think, man, he's already up to 20. But what, I think four points in the fourth quarter where you couldn't even tell he was on the floor. And a lot of reasons for that. We've seen it a couple of times too, where part of it is just adjusting to a new teammate and figuring out when Dame reroutes himself to get him the ball back. And that just wasn't happening. I've seen all of the the discourse over is one person singular to blame for that. I, I think the big issue is you can cover up a lot of the things that this team is learning and developing their chemistry with, with huge outbursts, with Damian Lillard going off, with Giannis continuing to be efficient, when Malik Beasley's hitting threes, and when you're playing inferior teams. But there's still those little moments where this team is still learning each other. And when we say it's a group or a work in progress. I think everybody assumes it's defensively, but it's on both ends of the floor. And, and you go back to the comments that Dame made that you guys talked about the other night too, where, you know, he said, Hey, we're 15 and six. And like, we haven't even figured this thing out yet and scratched the surface. So he's admitting, and they've talked about the lack of the pick and rolls between that duo, that it's, it's still going to take time. And I think tonight really illustrated that of Dame took over in the third quarter. And then he was just kind of absent the rest of the way. Absolutely. And the ball was in Chris Middleton's hand a lot in the fourth quarter. And I know, I know you didn't drop the name, but uh, that's the one I saw a lot with the commentary around like what was happening with the usage and why is the ball in Chris's hand and not Dame's hand, especially after a hot third quarter that Dame had. And it even looked like Adrian Griffin bought Dame back into the game a bit earlier in part because the bench play was so bad for the Bucks tonight. Uh, the starters racked up a lot of minutes and I want to dive deeper into the huge discrepancy that we saw between the Bucks bench and the Pacers bench in this game and how that affected everything for the Bucks coming up next. First, I want to talk to you all about our good friends over at Prize Picks. I've mentioned it before, I'm a really big Prize Picks fan. I love playing on the app because it is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you and the numbers. So you don't have to worry about all the different pros and the sharks and battling against thousands of other players. You just pick more than or less than with any two to six player stat projection. And then you watch the winnings roll in and y'all know I'm I'm about my, I'm about my bags. I'm about my money. And I love the fact that prize picks offers Apple pay for quick and easy deposits into your account. So once you win, there are multiple ways to get your money. You get quick withdrawals, you have easy gameplay, plus an enormous selection of players and stat types. And all that is what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Make sure you head over to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, head over to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Truly do appreciate everyone for tuning in, all the everydayers who check out Locked On Bucks on a day to day basis throughout the week. I would also encourage you to check out Locked On Sports today because the Locked On Network launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on YouTube. 
Locked On Sports Today is a 24-7 coverage of all the top sports stories of the day with the local experts from Locked On, plus all of our national shows covering every single league. So make sure you head on over to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Talked about the bench and the discrepancy that we saw between the play of these two teams. It was a 30-point discrepancy, to be exact. The Bucks bench had 13 points tonight, and the Pacers bench ended up with 43. Uh, you mentioned Bobby Portis's play, and it was really interesting that the Bucks bench really only went three deep tonight. Like, AJ played four minutes, get that. Andre played a minute, really, just not even really there. Um, and the results weren't pretty for this bench. And when you look at what the Pacers bench was able to do, especially to start off the fourth quarter, um, it was just a glaring difference between the two because on the Pacers side, you had Jackson, McConnell, Neesmith, Namehart, and Matherin in the game to start the fourth. No Tyrese Halliburton. And they were still able to open up the fourth with a 14-8 run to take a lead uh, heading down the stretch. Andre Jackson Jr. played, uh, what, like a minute, 15 seconds. And it was, I think, very, very late in the second quarter. And it was kind of the same thing against the Knicks. That I, I think he played five seconds. That it was the very end of the first quarter that he came in for defensive purposes and, and never heard from again. Um, I've seen a lot of rusted judgment there too, of why isn't Andre Jackson Jr. playing more? I'm going to give Adrian Griffin the benefit of the, of the doubt here and assume they just want to be very, very cautious with him coming back from back spasms and sure he's been cleared to play, but let's, let's see how, how we can use him here. Um, but the bench look as as I mentioned at the top and, and we've talked about for the last what, week, it's going to be an issue if you're not getting big production from Bobby Portis or campaign in this stretch where you don't have Jay Crowder. And I think the Bobby component, especially when you think about how duplicative Jay Crowder and Bobby Portis can be, especially in this system, if you don't have either of those guys for all intents and purposes, that's going to loom large with no Pat Connaughton too. I know it's not high volume scores that you're talking about missing, but it all of a sudden puts a, a pretty big amount of pressure on Bobby Portis to, hey, we need you to, to score 15 to 20 points because we're not getting anything else. And on nights when that hasn't happened, this has been a much different team that you think back to the the recent success. And, and when we've talked about it, hey, is this team rounding the corner? It's not just Giannis's efficiency. It's not just Brooke Lopez looking just as good as he's ever looked offensively in this uh, team with this team or Dame Lillard and and how much he's looked much, much better for the last 10 games or so. It's been the bench, and it's been Cameron Payne giving them a spark at times with some of the shots that he's, that he's hit, and Bobby Portis as well. So those are, are issues that, that are going to loom large until this team moves closer to full strength. Um, but to me, the big thing when we circle and, and key in on Bobby, it wasn't even the point production, which does need to, to be at a much higher volume than the four points you got tonight. But the the common refrain here for the last what two weeks has been where Bobby's made the impact has been the energy that he brings in home games. Some of those scoring outbursts only took one three pointer tonight, mm -hmm. but rebounding and he has been a demon on the glass for this team and, and gotten them those second chance points. And that's the biggest issue where you've really seen some cracks in the armor with Bobby for the last eight or so games that just hasn't had that same lift. He hasn't given you that same impact on the glass. And case in point tonight, I mean, there was a couple of those balls 
he did not get to, that some of the Pacers' smaller players beat him to. We've seen that a couple of times. It's not to single him out and say, hey, it's time to move on from Bobby Portis, but those are plays he has to win, and especially tonight against a team that is actually pretty good on the offensive glass in the Pacers um, by their standards. They're still basically league average, but they are in the bottom five in total rebounding and defensive rebounding. And you wouldn't have known it by watching this game tonight, not only for the job that they did as a team, but it was their perimeter guys that were just faster and beating the Bucks to spots. Some of it was long rebounds, which those are always tough to account for because some of it is just luck that you're not going to be in the right spot. Uh, but they were beat to the spot routinely by this team that just seemed to, and I hate this cliche, the Pacers just seemed to want it more tonight. Yeah, and I know – People don't come here. You're not trying to hear, oh, this team just wanted it more. But that's absolutely a part of it. The Pacers have made it very clear since all of this in-season tournament stuff began that they were taking this very seriously. Tyrese Halliburton mentioned multiple times that, hey, I haven't really won anything yet. I want to win something. We want to win something. The Pacers have one of the lowest payrolls in the NBA. Like They're here not only for the money, and that's a big sweetener for them, but they're also here because they want that exposure. They want to put people on notice that they're up next. And we saw with Tyrese Halliburton's performance tonight where you're like, this is arguably the best point guard in the league, if not just top three, top five, wherever you might hear him, have him. But you say like, this is a top guard in the league right now. And when I looked at the benches, seeing like Aaron uh, Neesmith and the defense that he was playing where you're just like, man, like I was like, I wish we had something like that on this Bucks team. And I understand the Bucks bench is short right now. There's no J, there's no PC. And of course, having both of them back helps because you don't have to continue to go deeper on your bench. If you're really going to try to play a true eight-man rotation, having J and having PC there as options uh, definitely changes the math equation for this team as well. And what you saw in this game without having the bench production. And again, the bench just was not good tonight. You saw Adrian Griffin leaning on the starters more. You see Damian Lillard played 42 minutes tonight. Giannis played 41. Chris Middleton even hit 30 minutes tonight. Yeah. Brooke Lopez, 37. Millie Beasley, 36. And it, that's something that we're not used to seeing because we had the bud years where we're trying to get through the regular season, not playing as many minutes. And I get that this is an in-season tournament game, but you don't want to put too much on these guys too early um, while they're still – understanding learning each other and getting back into the swing of things as well because you want guys playing their best ball uh, come april may uh, you don't want them to be burnt out before you even get there yeah i was gonna say that was kind of the like sneaky under the radar thing was chris's minutes tonight i think against the celtics he was pretty close to this to what he uh ended up playing tonight but that that was the oh chris middleton basically played 30 minutes tonight. It's it's consistently been around 26 or so the last handful of games, 25, somewhere in that region. Um, but that really kind of snuck up on you. Well, Chris was out there for that much. And again, as you pointed out, it's it's because when you're not getting that production from the bench, you got to get it from somewhere else. And right. you think back to the start of the season when we saw Griff, I think part of it was, all right, this is a marathon, not a sprint. But the other part is, I got to learn these guys and I got to see who I trust and what works within my systems. Cause we talked about that in the off season too, of, you know, when, when we're trying to to piece together and, and figure out and project, what are the rotations for this team? You have to keep in mind, it's a new coach and we're, we're viewing it under the lens of here's how they did things under bud. Maybe Adrian Griffin views it differently 
And early in the season, we saw that, where you saw different combinations to close games. We saw campaign closing the game uh, midway through this early stretch of the season. We saw Brook off the floor and, and going smaller at times. And that hasn't been the case for the last handful of games. Part of that is the the bench and the depth that they don't have right now with, with Pat Connaughton and Jay Crowder out. But I do think part of it, too, is, you know, as Brooke has played in the spot he's more familiar with, he's been back to dominant. And I think a lot of that is comfort with Griff, too, that he trusts a handful of these guys. The rest is just seemingly kind of wait and see mode with this group. And, and that, that goes for the young guys as well, because um, I, I want to ask you this. I've seen a lot of people talk about this and mostly uh, national people. And there's a few that we've talked to before Bucks games who would point out, you know, one of the biggest differences with this team is uh, Marjan Bochamp and how much more he's playing this year. Do you know coming into tonight's game, how many minutes Marjan Bochamp played this year versus last year through the first 17 games or whatever it was played? I know it's close. I feel like it's not even a 20 minute no, difference yeah, it's, between it's the two. 19 minutes that separated over what 17 games so he has basically played the same amount of minutes this year as he did at the same point in the schedule a year ago and i get that you had a lot of injuries early in the season last year and that that juiced his minutes he didn't play quite as much when chris was back when pat was back and you were healthier um but i think that's one thing bucks fans have pointed to is hey i thought we'd see this guy a lot more and with those issues that they've had on the perimeter it certainly opens the door i think you have moments where it seems like this is an opportunity for marjan and again it's not to say he has done a bad job but i don't think he's really seized that just yet just for all the people that that point out andre jackson jr why isn't he playing more and i i don't disagree with that either but the notion and i had a caller on our post game call in and suggest this too of he needs to be starting over malik beasley I think we have to give that time, not not only because he's a young guy, but also that's tough to do and, and risking losing a player and parts of a locker room too. When you've asked Malik Beasley, here's your role, here's what we want you to do. He's starting to play much better offensively now as well. And look, he's not Drew Holiday. He, he's not going to be viewed as a top tier defender, but he's given you the effort and he's been a willing defender and has done what you've asked. That's a tough look to let... 20 games into the season say, okay, thanks, but no thanks. We're moving to the rookie. So I think we just have to be patient with those players. When we've talked about in the past, how can you juice up this, this perimeter defense and saying it's probably the young guys. That's your best way to do it. That's another thing that it's, it's just going to take time. And I think things start to work themselves out. I think we'll see some of those minutes start to increase as the season moves on. Uh, but it's a tough spot that the bucks are in right now that, Marjan Bochamp's another guy that I don't think he's played great recently. And he's he's basically the only option you've had, him and A.J. Green, because of those injuries on the perimeter. Yeah, and to the point of the injuries, when we saw Jay go down and then when we saw PC go down, my initial thought was that we're going to see a lot more Marjan and Andre Jackson Jr. minutes, and that hasn't been the case. I know Andre Jackson had, had the back thing, but yet and still before that, it just wasn't a sharp increase in their minutes because of that. And I, everybody knows at this point, if you listen consistently, I'm a Marjan fan, um, but I can agree. He has not been playing well um, over the last stretch of games. I do think he had a better showing tonight in his minutes. The plus minus shows that that's not the case, but just looking at the defensive effort that he put in being able to go for some rebounds and things of the sort, terrible look to miss the free throws when he had just free points at, at the line. 
and I understand all that, but I just wonder what this team is going to look like after the deadline, because we're seeing how they're playing. And yes, Griff's figuring things out. They're figuring how, how things play amongst themselves as well. But we've talked about how we're changing our mentality of how we view this Bucks team, right? We're looking at them more so as an offensive first team. And just because we're looking at them as offensive first doesn't mean that we're saying that defense should be a turnstile. How can they improve the roster to at least get that defense to be consistently average, not just average at times or elite at times, but a consistent defense? Because you saw that a lot tonight as well, where the Pacers were getting some open looks. Luckily, the Pacers had a very cold night from three, uh, but they were getting some open looks off of miscommunications, off of odd switches and just things not working out right. And we saw it again. Guys are getting walked to the basket pretty much because they're able to attack um, on the perimeter, there's no one really putting up much hesitation for him to get there. So there are some some things to continue to watch with this Bucks team. And the bench play is definitely one. Hope that Pat gets healthy soon. But even with Pat back, with Jay back, I still have some questions about how this team might look going forward. And if that is even still yet the best construction of talent that we can possibly have around our superstar duo with Dame and with Giannis. And, and real. Real quick before we uh, move on to the break here, do you know how many points in the paint the Pacers scored tonight? How many? 72. And to your point of it wasn't three-point shooting, they had some open looks, and that was the other tough part too for the Bucks. They had some pretty good looks in the fourth quarter that didn't go. Brooke Lopez had a couple of yep. those. Chris was four for five on three, so that was the one area where he was really excelling um, tonight. But Pacers didn't kill you with threes, and I think a lot of people – if you haven't seen a lot of Pacers games this year and you hear about this high-paced offense, you probably assume they're just running up and down the floor like the old Warriors and they're taking a lot of threes and that's how they're beating you, but it's not. It's They get in transition and those 72 points in the paint may be startling on the surface of how did this team score that much? It's because of how they're scoring. And that was the other issue we didn't touch on is they were taking the ball out of the net and beating the Bucks down Money. the floor or catching them off guard, that that's the other major issue from this game i think if you circled three things rebounding was not good enough and we've mentioned that countless times this season turnovers were too much they had 12 i think 11 of those turnovers came in the second and fourth quarters that first quarter they had one back and forth game third quarter they had zero turnovers that's when they scored 43 points and took the lead it it became a problem again in the second and fourth quarters when Pacers seized advantage, and you can't give them those types of advantages to get out and run when they're already good at that. But they were the way they were beating the Bucs down the floor, you've already played this team once. And mm -hmm. you don't do in-depth scouting in the regular season. It's not a playoff series, but you know what to look for. And you know this is what this team does. And it just seemed like the Bucs were completely caught off guard by the Pacers wanting to push the ball at the pace they did even off of makes and not just transition off of misses or steals and the amount of times that it continued to happen throughout the game. That's the part that's toughest to accept. It truly is. And with that, the interesting part about the turnover thing, like you mentioned, they get out and run and we saw moments in this game where the bucks were actually back, but they just weren't actually playing any defense yeah. while they were back. And it's also kind of like, you're, you're not hustling to get back. And this is not the first team that has exploited the bucks with this. It's probably in the scouting notes by this point, like, Hey, after, even if after a made bucks basket, just push the ball out and run 
because they're not getting back. And we've seen that over and over and over again. So there are definitely some things this Bucks team has to clean up. A lot of the same old, same old things that bit them in the butt before that came up again today um, that did them in. And right. although the, the Bucks won't the be point, our inaugural. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the point of that, bringing up the 72 points in the paint, that's how they did it, that they were just getting yeah. in transition, beating the Bucks down the floor. And those points in the paint were layups, uncontested layups for the most part. Easy layups over and over and over again. And I want to finish up the show just talking about the atmosphere in Vegas in itself, since this is the first time we've seen anything like that coming up right after this. First, I want to talk to you all about our friends from Jace Medical, because I know that we tend to come to sports to escape from the crazy realities of life, but we have to talk about preparing for real life as well. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. And that can be scary to a lot of folks because it can be a helpless feeling to think that, hey, a supply chain issue might keep me away from medication that I need. But thankfully, Jace Medical can step in and help with that. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, skin infections, among others. Now, those kind of things can happen to anybody. So make sure you visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. Then it will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It has never been more important to be prepared than today. So again, go to jacemedical.com and use offer code locked on to get $20 off of your first order. While we didn't get the ending we wanted in Vegas tonight with the Bucks continuing to win and pushing to get that finals and that cup, get the, the nice new hardware there, we did get a chance to get a first look at what that Vegas environment looks like for the team. And I just want to kind of give some overall thoughts. What has been done? What worked? What could be better? Uh, the interactive features they had on the court were kind of interesting. It was like lights in the audience that you saw with Flash when someone made a bucket. And it was very clear to see when that happened because of the theater lighting. The spotlight was on the court. The audience was dimmed. But with all that focus on that red and blue court, I got to say, one of the things I would change is what the finals court looks like. It looked like a <laughs> Spider-Man court. I just wasn't feeling that energy. And early on in the game, it was a 2 p.m. start time in Vegas. The crowd energy was pretty low to start. It wasn't that full until after halftime, which was a sharp difference from seeing the games played in market and then coming to a neutral site. Yeah, it was an interesting court. Um, and the league had told the Pacers, the I think the, were the Pacers, the one seed, maybe not. I, but regardless, the league had told the Pacers, the Lakers, and the Bucks, we know you have black jerseys. You can't wear them because mm -hmm. it's going to conflict with the court. The Lakers and Pacers were upset about that because they wanted to wear their city edition jerseys. I don't think it was ever really a, a strong consideration for the Bucks. But yeah, it, it also brings up the, look, I thought we were done with these courts when we left the home markets that can't we just play, even if you're going to do the in-season style, like, can it be similar to what the Bucks did where like, yeah, it's a different court, but it's close to being traditional that we've seen. Uh, the rest that you touched on the atmosphere was certainly interesting. I think it was one of the big concerns that a lot of us had coming in of, you know, it's an early tip and um, there's no real connection in the crowd that you're asking fans from Milwaukee, from Indiana, from New Orleans 
to hop a flight to Vegas with a day and a half notice and pay to get into that arena that that could be a tough sell, especially for the time. I haven't seen it yet. I've just seen the score. I would anticipate there's a very large contingency of Lakers fans there. And that might be the only one where it seems like, Hey, here's a, a vibrant crowd. But at the start, it, you know, it wasn't dead in terms of attendance, but it was pretty sparse. You could tell, and, and they played some tricks with the lighting, similar to what AEW does with their crowd just to hide <laughs> that. Um, but that was the interesting part is it, it felt like, almost like going back to the bubble and early into mm. the second year too, where you didn't really have people in buildings and it certainly wasn't full capacity. You had a lot more people, but it just didn't feel like it throughout the course of the game. Cause this just felt like a corporate event and not so much a game with actual fans. It did. It did. And this is the first time the NBA is trying it. Like you mentioned, don't have the sound on for the Lakers game right now. Could be, you know, more electric. It's a later start time. People have already gotten to the building. It's tough being the first game, especially when it's at 2 p.m. local time. And I get why the league had to do it because they had to make sure they had enough time in between the two games uh, for the late game to get their practice on the court in and all of those different media availabilities and whatnot. But it's a tough, it's tough. 2 p.m. Um, in Vegas is a tough time to start a game. And started off sleeping, not just from the atmosphere, but even on the court, like it just kind of seemed like players took a second to kind of warm up. But once they got into it, they got into it. And by the second half, the crowd was really into it. I do kind of like that March Madness feel of it where you're hearing both teams being cheered. And it's just more of like, we're cheering if you make us, if you impress us yeah. on a play. Like Giannis got the good big and ahs. Yeah. yeah, the yeah. step backs get oohs and ahs. So it's like, kind of boxing like where it's like I'm just seeing who gets the biggest who lands the biggest punch right now and I'm cheering for that more than any allegiance to any team. I, so I think overall I I like it and I'm a fan of of what they've done if for no other reason then you've at least made this part of the regular season interesting. And mm -hmm. uh you know Giannis and Dame have missed a combined total of 3 games this year. At the same point a year ago, I think Giannis himself missed 3 games, Drew Holiday had missed four games. Chris Middleton hadn't played yet. Pat Connaughton hadn't played yet. So I think that's another one of those subtle differences. The Bucs aren't the only team like that either, that more teams have had their players playing a lot more partially because of this, partially because of the fines and everything else that the league put in in the offseason. But it's at least increased your relevancy at this point mm -hmm. in the calendar when you, you had very little to none. So I like that part. The last thing that I would add is I, I'm kind of hopeful I'm not a LeBron James hater, but I'm kind of hopeful the Pelicans win this game tonight. So the, the final is the Pelicans and the Pacers because a lot of the talk over what can we do with the winner and how should we increase this? What should we change next year? I think everybody is clinging to playoffs of, hey, if you're guaranteed a spot in the playoffs, which I've said you just can't do because no, then you're diminishing the second half of the regular season for that team. If they don't need it, what's the incentive? So if we want to stick, and apologies to the probably 70% of the audience we'll lose here, if we want to stick with the wrestling analogies, everybody's clinging to like this should be the money in the bank where you win and you're guaranteed to get into the playoffs. I think this should more so be like the intercontinental title where this is whoever wins this, and especially if we get Pelicans and Pacers, like this is the tournament for the teams that are building themselves for the playoffs that are the up-and-coming teams that maybe haven't had quite as much success yet, that they're the best young teams, just as that belt is usually, he's for, it's the best worker or the guy that's about to become a champion eventually. 
And if you get the Pelicans and Pacers, that's basically what we're going to get here. So maybe that's the lens we need to view this under. I love uh, the wrestling analogy there. Like you said, it might have went over the heads of some of our audience, but that's a perfect analogy for how this feels. And I think that the field being what it was for the Final Four in Vegas with Lakers and Bucks, Pelicans and Pacers, where it's two fan bases that have a lot of star power with them and then two really up-and-coming teams, three small market teams all together. But again, the Bucks have Dame and they have Giannis, so it's looked at a little bit differently. But it's, it's fun. I looking forward to seeing how they tweak it. I also don't think they should make any large changes to like making it matter for the playoffs. It's too early for all of that in the game, but I like it. I'm looking forward to seeing how things go with it last or next year. And as it continues on in its development, before we get out of here, a reminder, check out lockdown sports today on YouTube, 24 seven coverage of the top sports stories of the day with all the local experts from locked on. So make sure you subscribe to the first ever national 24-7 sports streaming channel. And for Justin and myself, we're going to get out of here. We hope you all enjoy your weekend. There's no Bucks basketball until Monday. So enjoy yourselves.